It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. The U.S. Capitol's alert system came alive shortly before 10.30 this morning, warning those inside to keep away from windows and doors because of an external security threat. Police say that threat turned out to be a small fire nearby, but the moment underscored the tension ahead of Wednesday's inauguration. 25,000 National Guard members are preparing to secure Washington this week with about two and a half times more than previous inaugurations. We want to make sure that we have the right people in this security bubble and we have the time and the ability to do it. Defense officials say they're working to re-examine National Guard members assigned to the inauguration over concerns about any potential insider threats. Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller says, quote, while we have no intelligence indicating an insider threat, we are leaving no stone unturned in securing the Capitol. Along with federal and local police officers, the National Guard has set up checkpoints throughout Washington and have, through the weekend, already made a handful of arrests, including those for bringing firearms into D.C. However, Homeland Security officials say the threat of violence extends well beyond the Capitol. There is a lot more uh, online chatter, if you will, that has come up since January 6th. But I would point out that a lot of that chatter uh, isn't capital, na nation's capital focused. It's more general across the country. Go! In Washington, the historic inaugural security presence is, in part, a response to the Capitol riots two weeks ago. The New Yorker has just released video of the mob storming the Capitol, invading the Senate chamber, and threatening congressional leaders, police, and journalists. There are at least 80 active federal cases with prosecutors steadily announcing more charges, including Thomas Fee, a recently retired New York City firefighter, Coy Griffin, a New Mexico County commissioner and the founder of Cowboys for Trump, who prosecutors say promised to return armed to Washington for this week's inauguration and, quote, plant our flag on Speaker Pelosi's desk. And federal authorities say they are also looking for more, including Riley June Williams, who authorities say they suspect took a laptop or hard drive from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office and tried to sell it to the Russians. The FBI says the case is still under investigation. As federal law enforcement sifts through the evidence of that January 6th attack, they are also reviewing their own performance. The inspector general for the Department of Homeland Security has announced a review, joining the inspector generals from the Departments of Justice, Interior and Defense. All right, that was Rich Etz on Fox News last night. Sandy Rios with you this morning with, uh, you know, a lot of not very good news. So fasten your seatbelts as we talk through this uh, because you need to know what's happening in your country tomorrow Joe Biden will be inaugurated at noon along with Kamala Harris, uh, and uh, hardly anyone will be there. There will be no inaugural parade. There will be no inaugural balls, nothing. 
Uh, I remember when President Trump was inaugurated, uh, though there were thousands and thousands of us there, we were standing right there watching the Jumbotron. It was uh, amazing. And at the same time, there were protesters all around us, uh, really already vitriolic. We had no idea how bad things were going to be. The next day, we were still in D.C. uh, when um, the Women's March, people were in our hotel dressed in pink hats and carrying vulgar signs with their children. And we didn't even know what they were talking about, the Women's March. And then, of course, that unfolded the very next day. Just horrific stuff, threatening the president's uh, life even then. And then it went on. It was from bad to worse there. But now uh, Joe Biden, who has campaigned entirely in his basement, with very few exceptions, tiny little crowds, uh, scripted, managed. Uh, we saw that, you know, with people off off camera when he was doing uh, his his appearances in his basement, you know, managing what he actually said, reading script. Uh, it's just amazing. And now he is, we're to believe, that he legitimately won this election and that he will be inaugurated tomorrow with no fanfare. And in spite of the fact that D.C. is shut down completely. Have you seen aerial photos of it? Uh, you know, um, for years, during especially the uh, Obama years, well, maybe it started with the, the, um, uh, the, the Bush years because they started putting up barricades because of nine, after 9-11, and it began to feel like a, a bit like a militarized zone. I remember just thinking, man, the beauty of this place is really being marred by all the things that are being added for security. Um, and there was always construction, like in the mall, and it looked like underground construction, and it was everywhere. And I always speculated. I do not even to this day know if this is true. Uh, this is during the Obama era. I uh, wondered if they were not building tunnels and places underground um, for future plans. And I actually think that's still possible. But let me just say that D.C. has been marred. Its beauty has been being marred for a long time. But now we've reached a new level. Now we have 25,000 National Guard troops from 50 states uh, who've been sent there to, you know, keep away the hordes of people who are not there. The businesses are shut down. Restaurants are closed. Hotels are not accepting. Uh, I, I don't know if all hotels are not accepting reservations, but many of them are not. Uh, B&B, uh, I think it was B&B who said they would not take reservations. I think a lot of... Uh, Maybe they suspect a lot of Trump supporters go to those places because they're less expensive, and so they're shutting down. Um, and so it's been pretty much uh, button it down, and you can't even do life there right now. It's uh, except for the military is marching around. And what is that all about? Well, it's all about you know the way Rich set it up. There was uh, this her- terrible, as we know, they want us to think this rebellion and insurrection. Uh, at the Capitol uh, two weeks ago. And there's no question there was an invasion of the Capitol, and many people did unlawful things. We also know there were plans by the left to co-opt that movement. It makes a lot more sense to me that that's exactly what happened. And you notice when Rich was announcing who was arrested, and they showed pictures. Nobody's charged, just arrested, are are under suspicion. And, you know, people, policemen, a former Army guy retired, uh, and I'm not saying they did nothing. I'm just saying, but what about the members of Antifa? What about uh, the the member of Black Lives Matter who was in there filming 
and uh, has now been arrested. Why, why not his picture up there? But that's, the whole thing is twisted because uh, now we are, we are bolting, we are charging forward with demonizing and dehumanizing. President Trump has already had that happen to him, but now his supporters. Uh, the Capitol insurgents was the perfect setup to have Trump supporters hated, hated, hated just as much as Donald Trump. And that is indeed exactly what they're setting up us up for. There's no question about that. And I want to talk a little bit about, uh, now Rich hinted at this, but he was a little bit cryptic. Um, the National Guard has been uh, now, the, the guys that serve the National Guard, and many of them are probably your friends, some probably some of mine, if I knew, uh, they are, uh, well, they're suspected now of not being uh, Biden supporters. That's the point here. And so they had to be vetted very carefully. And before I tell you more about that, I want you to hear uh, the soundbite from Steve Cohen, who's the congressman from Tennessee. Uh, doesn't He's not very Tennessee-like, Steve Cohen isn't. Uh, he's more like an ACLU leftist. But here's what he said about the National Guard. Let's listen. We now have the remarkable step in this country of the U.S. military running background checks on its own people like it might do in a foreign country with partner forces to see if there are any sympathizers. Based on what you've seen, what is your level of concern of an insider threat? Well, it certainly raises warning. I was reading about this on, the, on my t- Twitter account, I guess, and people were reminding people of Anwar Sadat and Indira Gandhi who were killed by her own, their own people. Um, you know, I was thinking the guard is 90 some odd percent, I believe, male. Uh, only about 20 percent of white males voted for Biden. you got to figure that in the guard, which is predominantly more conservative, and I see that on my social media and we know it, they're probably not more than 25 percent of the people that are there protecting us who voted for Biden. The other 75 percent are in the class that would be uh, the, the large class of folks who might want to uh, uh, do something. And there were military people and police who took oaths to defend the Constitution and to protect and defend who didn't do it, who were in the, the insurrection. So it does concern me, but uh, the vetting at the last minute. Like, I mean, efficient. that's far to, to have voted for, for Trump does not make you an insider. threat. I mean, that, that's far different from being a threat uh, of violence inside whether the National Guard or law enforcement. I'm curious, is there is there anything you've seen to substantiate just how broad this in, insider threat may be, if it, if it exists? Absolutely not, Jim, but, you know, you, you draw first. The first circle is people who work for Trump and not for Biden, as far as people who would be within uh, the, the zone of folks who you'd be suspect of. Suspect group is large. All right, did you catch that? Congressman Cohen is saying that the Guard, because they are mostly white male, uh, must be vetted for where they stood politically. The first circle is who voted for Biden, who voted for Trump. And now we're hearing that they actually, the National Guard, have been vetted before they even left their states. Now, they, that means that individuals, how do they vet them? Let's see, what do they do that they say, did you, who did you vote for? Do they look at their social media? The FBI is involved in this. they got to check out our soldiers. Now, they already told us they don't have any any sign of any kind of a threat they don't there's they're not going off of any kind of tip it's just preemptive just in case 
And of course, we must, you know, purge. They're actually asking soldiers to talk to each other, to tell on each other. Like if they hear anything, you know, suspicious, like maybe someone likes Trump and doesn't like, this is me filling in the blanks about what that might be. Maybe they like Trump and don't like Biden, then you, you need to report that. That is the way this is going down. It is absolutely astounding, and that's what's happening in our nation. In a little bit, I'm going to play you a bit of Tucker Carlson's commentary last night because it was so good. I can't say it better, and I want you to hear what uh, Tucker had to say about that. But meanwhile, I just want you to know, this reminds me a lot. When I first started working for AFR um, Talk, that was right after Nadal Hassan had killed all those troops, murdered them at Fort Hood in Texas. And we, at the time, had a lot of listeners from Fort Hood. Uh, the I, well, I, I wouldn't even mention, yeah, he's probably gone by now. The photographer of that whole event used to call and uh, talk about what, what he'd seen and what was happening. And the, uh, the Army had a narrative, you know, on uh, Nadal Hassan, and it was um, uh, that you can't, oh, no, 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 you can't paint all Muslims. Just because he was, he had all these terrorist groups' connections, and yet they tried to deny it. They bent over backwards. They broke their backs trying to make him seem like he was an isolated case a murder had nothing to do with jihad or radical Islam. And so t- eventually what happened was the people at Fort Hood, soldiers who used to call this show a lot, and by the way, they have not since then. They were threatened that they could, they, I was told, that they were threatened that they could not call this show. They couldn't participate in it. And then during that time, under Obama, uh, AFA was declared a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And so the Army, under Barack Obama and the Defense Department, was using the SPLC as their go-to group for who are the haters. And so the Army started implementing, you know, preventing soldiers from don't give to AFA. Uh, if you have anything uh, the, in their training session, we actually had, I'm not saying all of them, but in some there was video of them uh, pointing out on a chalkboard how AFA was a t- hate group. Now I'm using us as an example because... We were. We were front and center in that, and that is where I see this going. Uh, And I have to tell you, I know this is disappointing because I know some of you think the military is going to come to our rescue. I think QAnon and other people keep saying that, and I'm telling you that the Pentagon was purged of good men under Barack Obama. And that's one of the reasons that President Trump has has had so much trouble with the generals, why they have undermined him, uh, because this has been happening systemically since Barack Obama's time as president. The groundwork was laid, and now we are reaping that bitter harvest. All right, so that's that's a bit of what's happening, but we have a lot more to say. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, You could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. 
Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Thomas J. Walters, Director of the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers. Mr. Walters helps move forward the department's mission of working to train those who protect our homeland. Hebrews 13.6 reminds us of God's protection. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can a man do to me? Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Thomas J. Walters as he looks to protect our people and our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Pray with us as we lift up each state's freshmen, senators, and representatives as part of our 2021 Bold Initiative. Beside our leaders daily. Learn more at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary sponsored by Liberty University. At Liberty University, we believe in honoring service. That's why we offer first responder and military communities deep discounts on all of our 450-plus online programs. Military students, veterans, and spouses pay just $250 per credit hour for undergraduate and $275 to $300 per credit hour for graduate and Ph.D. courses. First responders receive a 25% tuition discount, and those who qualify may be able to use both discounts for even greater savings. It's our way to say thank you for all you do. To learn more, text AGREE to 49595. The Associated Press reports the FBI is vetting some 25,000 National Guard troops in our nation's capital. Unnamed defense officials say they have tangible concerns about a possible insider attack against President-elect Joe Biden. So far, there is no concrete evidence of a plot, nor has anyone been flagged. But there are some unconfirmed reports that soldiers are being targeted for pro-Trump rhetoric on their social media accounts. It does make you wonder if the troops are being singled out for their vote on Election Day, or maybe just wearing a red Make America Great Again ball cap. What an insult to the brave men and women of the National Guard. They took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, willing to put their lives on the line for every single person in this country. They know what it means to keep a promise, which is more than you can say about the folks in Congress. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, I just want to emphasize, Sandy Rios, back with you, that we are entering very dangerous territory. And um, I would be remiss if I did not warn you. Uh, It's more than bad policies. It's dangerous. I want to give you just a touch of it, and then I want you to hear uh, Tucker Carlson because his commentary last night was terrific. We're not going to play the whole thing, but Tucker puts it in perspective, and and he's spot on. But first... Uh, I would like to play, this is clip five, you guys, uh, Katie Couric was on with Bill Maher, and I want to give you an idea of the kinds of things that are being said uh, by mainstream media and about other media sources. These are the kinds of things your neighbors and friends are hearing so that you understand that you are in the process while you're going about your daily lives of being demonized and hated further, just like President Trump. Let's listen to Katie Couric, clip five. Okay, and as much as I'm worried about these loons who break into government. I'm actually more worried about the loons who did get elected. Because, I, I mean, what do you do 
about these people. There's 147 Republicans in Congress who still don't concede that Trump lost the election. What do you do about people who are in the government who don't believe in our way of government? It is so shocking. Not only do, are they not conceding, Bill, but there's thoughts that there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing to yeah. go through magnometers or whatever you call yeah. them to, to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, when you think about how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten. But I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they are being fed 24-7 on the internet, by their constituents, and yeah. they bought into this big lie. And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? The cult of Trump, deprogram. And that's what a conversation is about uh, between a lot of people. They're talking about, oh, this, this has been mentioned. I'm not saying uh, there's a cabinet for this or there's an official order for this. Joe Biden hasn't even taken power yet. Uh, but there have been talk, uh, even during the Obama years of re-education camps. And so uh, just just planting those seeds, do not think, do not think that that's not where this lead is leading in some form or a fashion. All right, so I want you to hear then Tucker's commentary last night. This is a long clip, uh, so, uh, you know, get a cup of coffee and sit back and listen, because Tucker puts this in perspective. Let's listen. Our capital city, Washington, is under military occupation tonight. By Inauguration Day, there are expected to be more than 26,000 armed federal troops in Washington. No living American has seen a moment like the one we're watching now. 26,000 soldiers, that's more than five times the number of American military personnel currently stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan, combined. That is more than twice the number of troops that President Lyndon Johnson ordered to Washington in April of 1968. In April of 1968, Washington, D.C. was literally on fire. Race riots had broken out after the assassination of Martin Luther King, whose memory we celebrate today. More than a thousand people were injured in those riots, and at least 13 of them died. Much of the Capitol was leveled, and it stayed that way. Blocks of charred rubble for decades. If you visited Washington in the 1990s, you remember what it looked like. But according to our current leaders, the so-called insurrection of January 6th was much worse than any of that. So far, here is the death toll from that day. A police officer was hit in the head by rioters, then later had a stroke and died at a local hospital. An unarmed protester was shot to death by authorities as she tried to climb through a window. A woman may have been trampled to death by the crowd. As of tonight, those are the three casualties we can confirm from the riot at the Capitol building on January 6th. In response to that, our leaders have assembled the largest military presence in Washington in all of American history during peacetime. In 1864, as the Civil War raged on the other side of the Potomac, and Americans died every day in large numbers in battle, there were fewer federal troops protecting Washington, D.C. than there are tonight. And it's truly a national force. The guardsmen you see in Washington have come from every state in the Union, as well as from Puerto Rico. And the question is, why is that? There's no practical or operational justification for it, for decades, Washington, D.C. has had the highest per capita law enforcement presence in the country and one of the highest in the world. So there was no need to fly in troops from Alaska to keep the city safe. But keeping the city safe was hardly the point of the exercise. The murder rate in the District of Columbia has risen with terrifying speed over the last six months. Men, women and children shot to death in the streets. But no one in charge seems to care about that or even notice their deaths. 
So no matter what they are telling you, those 26,000 federal troops are not there for your safety. Instead, unmistakably, the Democratic Party is using those troops to send the rest of us a message about power. We're in charge now. We run this nation from Honolulu to our colony in the Caribbean and everything in between, very much including where you and your family live. Do not question us. Men with guns enforce our decrees. We control the Pentagon. And indeed, they do control the Pentagon. Republicans have spent years ignoring the leftward drift of our officer corps, but we can't ignore it now. The mask is off. Our military leadership, the very same generals who howled at the idea of deploying American troops to stop an invasion of our southern border, those same generals sent tens of thousands of soldiers with rifles to Washington purely as a show of force on behalf of the political party they support. And once they did that, they then allowed Democratic politicians to degrade and politicize the military itself. Democrats in Congress demanded that the troops sent to Washington this week submit to a political purity test, ideological vetting, as they put it, to make certain that every soldier professed loyalty to the new regime, not loyalty to our country, not loyalty to our constitution, but loyalty to the aims of a specific political party. Nothing like that has ever happened in America. And just a few months ago, it would have been unimaginable. Suddenly, it's compulsory. All right, so that's the first part. And I, a loyalty test, I can't think of a better way to say it. That is what they're demanding. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I have to say, that as, is what was happening at the Pentagon and then the Defense Department uh, under Barack Obama. And the damage was so deep. One of the only generals to survive that era was General Flynn, and he didn't survive it. You know, he opposed uh, President uh, Obama, and that's why they hate him so much. But the rest of them left. I, I can tell you firsthand from a um, person that I know high up in the military, I had asked him a few years ago, well, probably maybe before Trump was even elected, uh, I, I asked, is there anyone in the Joint Chiefs of Staff that you trust? Anyone? And he said, no. All the good men are gone. They purged chaplains, they purged, and now, look, I'm talking to military people. I know there's exceptions, so don't misunderstand me. I'm, sh I'm sure there are thousands of really fine people in the military, but I'm talking to you that in general, in the Pentagon, that's why the Pentagon has been a nest of rottenness. I can, I can just tell you they're the ones that have implemented all these transgender rules. They wanted that. The leadership wanted that. They're the ones that purged Christian chaplains. There's the one, they're the ones that pushed uh, uh, this twisted and inaccurate view of what it, jihad meant. Uh, it was all political correctness, uh, political appointees, generals who would, you know, uh, jump when Barack Obama said how high. And that's where we are. And as a matter of fact, Barack Obama put one of his handpicked Muslim friends in charge of choosing who um, uh, the American military chaplains would be. And uh, um, so that's how bad it is. We've talked about it before. That's why we started the military, um, Restore Military Religious Freedom Coalition. And um, so uh, that's why we've been doing that for a number of years now. But all right, so here we are. Now, Tucker goes on to talk about the National Guard and putting it in more perspective. And I, I want, you to, want you to hear this part, too. This is clip three. Here's Congressman Steve Cohen of Memphis explaining why it is. The Guard is... 90 some odd percent, I believe, male. Uh, only about 20 percent of white males voted for Biden. You got to figure that in the Guard, which is predominantly more conservative, and I see that on my social media and we know it, they're probably not more than 25 percent of the people 
that are there protecting us who voted for Biden. The other 75% are in the class that would be uh, the, the large class of folks who might want to uh, uh, do something. We should pause that tape and we should consider for a moment and think deeply about what Congressman Steve Cohen of Tennessee just told us on television. He said that every white man in this country is a potential murderer. Every white man in America should be under suspicion, purely on the basis of being white and male, of planning a presidential assassination. He told us the National Guard is overwhelmingly white and male. Therefore, Congressman Cohen says, white male National Guardsmen must undergo government background checks to prove they're not planning murder. Steve Cohen didn't couch any of that. He just said it. And the CNN anchor nodded as he did. The rules on generalizations like this have changed quite a bit in a very short time. It wasn't that long ago, it was November 5th, 2009, that an army major called Nadal Hassan opened fire on innocent people at a military base in Texas. Nadal Hassan shot 45 people at Fort Hood. 13 of them died. When it emerged later that Hassan was an Islamic extremist, and then it emerged that the army had failed to notice his extremism or in any way protect the public from his extremism, no one at the Pentagon was court-martialed. Instead, the rest of us sat through months of lectures about how we had no right to come to broader conclusions about what had happened at Fort Hood. Yes, the shootings were bad, though not, Barack Obama made clear at the time, an act of terrorism. But far worse than mass murder, we were told, would be the sin of drawing any connection between Nadal Hassan's beliefs and the beliefs of anyone else in our country. Nadal Hassan was a single person, literally a lone gunman. He was not a stand-in for all Muslims. So stop with your prejudice, rednecks. That's what they told us. And by the way, it's okay that they told us that. Most Americans are decent people. They don't blame entire groups for the crimes of a few. Bigotry is immoral, and so is collective punishment. There is nothing more un-American than that. But not anymore. Collective punishment is now the official policy of the federal government, and it's enforced by the Pentagon. You'd love at some point to ask Congressman Cohen about the implications of this. Since we've established this new standard, this new requirement of collective punishment, what other groups of Americans, Congressman Cohen, should be denounced and hurt simply because of the way they look, simply because of the DNA they were born with? Or does this new standard apply only to white men? And if it does apply exclusively to white men, which is definitely the impression we're getting from you, how does targeting white men contribute to your stated goal of reducing white male extremism? Because doesn't attacking people on the basis of qualities they can't control make them more extreme, not less extreme? Aren't you persecuting them into behaving in precisely the ways you claim you don't want them to behave? And since you're not a moron, wouldn't all of that be obvious to you? All right, so that's just part of it. Uh, but Tucker makes such great points, and I do think he's right. There is no reason why the Capitol should have 25,000 troops right now. Remember that two weeks ago, when the Trump supporters descended in for a rally, and uh, there were you know thousands and thousands of them there, we'll never get a count on that, uh, and from all reports, it was a wonderful rally. I watched it on television. The president was quintessential President Trump. Um, and again, when the president was still speaking, that's when the incursion at the Capitol began. That's one of the reasons we can say without if there were a court of law, but there isn't, seems to me, an honest court of law anywhere right now. There may be exceptions, but I haven't seen them in a long time. Have you? If there were a court of law, they would show that President Trump had nothing to do with that. 
Uh, but everything is twisted right now. And let me say that the reason why the troops are there, because Biden's not having a, he's not going to do a parade. Thousands and thousands of people are not coming to Washington to cheer him on. And don't think that's not in part because people would, thousands and thousands wouldn't have come to cheer him on. They know that. He didn't have that much support. Otherwise, he would have had all kinds of people showing up when he spoke. Kamala, too. They could only get a few people, a couple of hundred at the most. That defies logic to think that millions and millions of people were so excited about their presidency. So do you think million, you know, thousands are going to descend into Washington to cheer him on? No, so this is kind of convenient. It's just really kind of convenient. So uh, the 25,000 troops, I agree with Tucker, I think are there to show power. We are in control now. We control all the institutions. We control the Pentagon. We control the FBI. We control all the departments because the deep state, after all, has had its way in Washington, D.C., and they are, again, Barack Obama is the one who purged agencies of uh, conservatives and brought in tons of leftists to work in the various agencies, and this is the culminating result of all of that. So when they say or they indicate that they, it's a show of power, that we now control everything, it's actually true. It's actually true. They control all the levers of power, and uh, probably they're concerned about the military having some, you know, people in there that might not, that really liked Donald Trump, uh, police too. All the police, you know, unions uh, endorsed President Trump. So we got a problem. So we, we're going to have to get in there and purge and intimidate uh, military and police to make sure that they're on our side. We've got to turn the worm, and they will do that. Uh, so um, our, our, I think the only thing that we, I could just say is the truth is, though, that millions of Americans understand this and do not support this um, and will resist on some level. Uh, and that probably includes those of you speaking to me. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, I, um, I don't know what that looks like yet. I guess my own mind and heart are turning more uh, toward uh, the primary mission of Christians, and that is the proclamation of the gospel. I my uh, my talking about um, politics all these years and public policy has been uh, for me an, an evangelistic exercise. If that makes any sense to you, because I feel like you know, speaking the truth draws people to God, and then through that window of speaking truth, you can talk to them, and that's been the case uh, all these years. So. It may be now we have to maybe think about the fact that uh, like when I was in Japan doing a concert tour a number of years ago, I was stunned when my little uh, guide and interpreter Mika told me that uh, Christians' culture in Japan, which is so small, was completely detached from government, didn't even know what was going on in government. It may be that we will move to that, uh, but not until, uh, not while our really good people are serving and suffering in the capital on our behalf, we have to stand by them. So that's what I'm going to do. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Two New Mexico churches are facing fines of $10,000 for having too many worshipers on Christmas Eve. Let's lift our collective voice and tell Governor Michelle Grisham to stand down and rescind those fines. The First Amendment guarantees us freedom of religion. You can send the New Mexico governor an email by visiting afa.net. Governmental penalties for worshiping our Lord and Savior should be opposed by all Christians. Let's do our part to stop this unconstitutional erosion of religious liberty. Visit afa.net.
It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The scripture teaches that God has sovereignly determined the boundaries of our habitation and the appointed times in which we would live. That means the fact that you live right now in the United States of America in the 21st century following the November 2020 elections, it's not a mere coincidence. It is the time and place that God has appointed for you. This isn't a time to shrink back. It's our moment to contend. May the remnant arise to meet our moment in Jesus' name. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. The spirit of jealousy consumed Saul and his relationship with David. His jealousy opened a door to a demonic spirit that entered his life and destroyed him. He envied David because of his youth, his looks, his success, his talent, his charisma, and his popularity. Saul became so threatened he tried to murder him. The lesson here? It's critical for us to reject every temptation to be jealous of others and instead choose to recognize that their success and ability come from God. Let's choose to accept that the success others enjoy is God's will for them and that it is His will for us to focus on the role that He has assigned to us and to serve Him faithfully there whether anybody notices us or not. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. My old boss, Ronald Reagan, warned that every generation faces an existential threat to freedom. Unfortunately, we face a number of them. If our enemies prevail, Reagan believed, quote, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was like to live in the United States when men were free, unquote. Tomorrow, Joe Biden and hundreds of his subordinates will take oaths to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. What we tell our children depends critically on whether they fulfill those solemn promises. For example, will we enjoy in the future, as we have in the past, freedoms of speech, religion, and peaceable assembly? Will the press be free or effectively instruments of state propaganda? Will our elections be honestly conducted? Will officials compromised by hostile powers be barred from government service? Team Biden must be held to its oaths. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, the key thing here is that the left, um, you know, they are trying to do something that goes way beyond the election. The election was very close. Uh, The Democrats take the Senate very narrowly. 
they lose ground in the House, about 10 Republican seats. The presidential race was close. Now, they're trying to take that, a very, where they have no clear mandate, the country is evenly divided, and they're now trying to demonize and criminalize all the people who voted on the other side. They're trying to turn the opposition into a kind of captive population. And that's why all their analogies come from foreign wars. They talk about ISIS, they talk about Al-Qaeda, they talk about the Baath Party. Well, basically, we deal with those people with yep. bombs and with bullets. So they're acting like domestic yep. critics. People who voted for Trump are foreign enemies and should be dealt with that way. Dinesh D'Souza, and uh, he's right. You know, I've been telling you lately, I guess when, in my conversation with Shel Atkinson last Friday, and I hope you listen to that because uh, she's written a new book on uh, the censorship that's going on, and it's pretty amazing, and how uh, big media companies, she's talking about networks because she worked at CBS for so many years, uh, what they've been doing and colluding, and it's just behind the scenes and uh, how news has just deteriorated, and it's a, it's an excellent uh, discussion. So I hope you look at that. Well, one of the things we talked about was uh, the kinds of um, catchphrases that the left use. They've been <laughs> use this. They've been doing this for years. They're really good at this. Language matters. Words matter. I think that's a book that they uh, that they wrote that's actually excellent and tells you how they use words uh, to advance their cause. So um, they will introduce a concept that perhaps you've never heard before, and then all, you know, the news media will start repeating all of it. <laughs> I remember, like, way back, I remember Bush lied, people died. Remember that? Bush lied, people died. And so, and that's pretty much uh, what people, all they understood, for the most part, many of them, about who Bush, Bush was. And, of course, it was, it was not true. Uh, but it, it's a catchy, and it works. And so now what's being used uh, is the big lie. It's a, the big lie. Katie Couric, when I played that clip a few minutes ago, uh, talked about that. They're believing the big lie. And that, that, I want to read to you what the origin of that phrase is, uh, because there's a reason why they're using that. It goes back to Nazi Germany. It was coined. The expression was coined by Adolf Hitler when he dictated his book, Mein Kampf. And he talked about the use of a lie that's so colossal, no one would believe that someone could have the impudence to distort the truth so infamously. And um, so, that, so that's what Hitler called the big lie. And I think the big lie actually in Germany was the claim that Germany was not beaten in 1918. And that was a, a big lie. It was a big lie. So now they're trying to use that phrase to apply to Trump supporters and President Trump because it has connections to, the, to Nazism. So just, uh, just know that. This is, this is the road that we're on. Now, um, we know this won't be a surprise to you. But I would say that it's getting more and more dangerous. Um, uh, James O'Keefe did another undercover video with a, an executive to, from Twitter describing how the, this is just the beginning. This is another one. Jack Dorsey uh, was on tape saying the same thing a few days ago. I played that for you. Uh, this is an, uh, um, a female. I think she's Indian. And she's expressing more fully how this is going to take place as they start censoring uh, social media, and that will be for more of us, all of us. They have the ability to do that. So um, this is a clip from MSNBC where they're discussing using our social media against us, and I want you to, to just hear it. This is clip nine. The signs of radicalization really are not that someone has a criminal record or that someone is on a terrorist watch list, but rather that they have online postings. The FBI doesn't have those kinds of resources, nor do they have a time 
uh, the time frame in this race against the clock to check out 25,000 people's social media postings, nor may they even have the legal authority to do so. That's my concern. Yeah, so uh, don't be too concerned because uh, Google and Twitter and Facebook have got that covered. Uh, you know, some of the people that have been arrested for the, for the Capitol uh, incursion two weeks ago, uh, some of them uh, I read in passing that they, on their social, the, the big thing against them, on their social media accounts, they had posted Stop the Steal. Yeah, and so the, Facebook is purging that. You know, Twitter did. They are already did that. So um, Harmeet uh, Dillon, who is, um, you know, I can't even tell you her position. Harmeet Dillon, she, you've seen her on television a lot. She's a, uh, uh, I wish, I'm sorry, I don't remember her position. But she talked about the Patriot Act and how she had warned about this happening to Americans. Let's listen. We're already doing that, uh, Judge Janine, and I warned, and other civil libertarians warned when we had the Patriot Act that this would eventually be turned against American citizens, and we've learned many years ago through Edward Snowden and others that it has been. And so today, the government doesn't even need the tools. The FBI doesn't need those tools. They just need to make one phone call to their corporate allies at big tech, and big tech will do it for them. We have seen the deplatforming of large groups of conservatives, and I'm not talking about fringe people. I'm not talking about QAnon supporters. I'm not talking about anybody crazy. I'm talking about mainstream conservatives. They are shutting down the means of communication. And this is what foreign governments do right before they crack down on their citizens is they they jam the airwaves. They cut off the means of communication. So we have already been having surveillance of our citizens for many years. And now that the uh, left is taking control of that information, we already have, I think, a politicized FBI. I think only bad things are going to come. And I wish I could say that Americans are going to rise up and Americans are going to uh, be alert about this. But remember that our country was, uh, people did not stand up as much as they should have against McCarthyism. They did not stand up when Japanese American citizens were put into camps with the paranoia and fear there. Mm -hmm. And we are very much Mm -hmm. living through a unprecedented demonization of half of the United States right now. And the other half is jeering and cheering and controlling the airwaves as well. So uh, I think this is a civil rights crisis of epic proportions. Whether you're left or you're right, you should be deeply concerned about the weaponization of this corporate alliance that Dinesh mentioned against the citizens uh, and the idea that the FCC, by the way, can even control what's on you know, the airwaves like that. And yeah. I, I didn't On know that airwaves. that was a, a thing. And I don't think it is. And so, um, you know, Victor, I don't think we've, they've only just begun. They haven't even taken office yet. Imagine what it's going to be like right. uh, when right. these and people, got everybody Kamala Harris has them. a history of, of terrible yep. uh, behavior against people who disagree with her allies and her supporters in California as the attorney general. So, All right. So Harmeet uh, is an attorney. She has a law firm out in California and she's I think the vice chairman of the Rep- California Republican Party, and she was a Trump supporter, so that's that's what her qualifications are. Uh, and she, of course, uh, echoes what I just said, that they, they haven't even taken office yet, and this is what's happening. And I told you the person that's been charged by Biden now, appointed, or, you know, has to be confirmed, that's going to oversee in just the Justice Department the antitrust suit against Google and Facebook is an employee of Google who's left Google to come and and do that. So we can see where this is headed, and it's not in a good place. And Harmeet also said what I tried to say this week. This is what happens when totalitarian governments take over. They first take over the means of communication. 
It's uh, legendary. They did it. They did it in World War II uh, in Nazi Germany. They they cut off people from information. I've told you many many times about my uh, my few days in North Korea, where uh, I was there during 9/11, and there was we we came out back out on the 12th and had no idea what had happened because there was absolutely no information getting into North Korea. That's where totalitarian regimes take their people. The Russians didn't know news. They were craving for it for years. That's why Radio Free Europe was established in this country, so that people behind the Iron Curtain uh, could know what the truth was. That's why we, again, sent radios into North Korea so that people could have some way. They got programming. We sent programming into the uh, into that country so they would have some way of knowing what the truth is. And that is what the people who are now taking power want. Now, you may say to me, well, uh, someone said to me yesterday, but Joe Biden's a moderate. Joe Biden, my assessment of Joe Biden is that he is the consummate politician. He says whatever he has to say uh, to keep his power in his office, and now we know to make himself rich and his family. It's just true. Uh, So uh, you could say he's moderate. He's moderate when it suits him. Uh, Right now, he's not moderate at all. Uh, the first orders he's going to issue are uh, going to be a nightmare for this country. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow because tomorrow is the inauguration. But uh, that's that's uh, that's up here. Now, on Twitter, uh, I wanted to follow up with what I said. The, the woman that is um, on tape, her name is Vijaya Gaidi, and she is, uh, let's see, what is she? She is, she is I think, a, an attorney. She's a senior executive at Twitter. That's the best description I have here. Uh, and basically, she's saying that it's going to get... She's the legal policy and trust lead. And uh, she's planning... They are planning actually, actually on uh, using techniques they've used globally to censor people, to censor us here. And I have to say, I'm sure she's, in large part, talking about China. Yeah. Uh, anybody remember Hong Kong, the protesters? The censorship in China, in mainland China, the inability to get information. The, you know, uh, Google agreed to the terms of China a long time ago in order to get that market. And that meant there was no free speech uh, for anyone who used Google in China. Uh, so that's, I think, now that's Google, it's not Twitter, but uh, they, they, you know, they hold hands and they think alike. Uh, so uh, Harmeet said, um, I mean, uh, Vijaya says that we have global, pl- we're going to do what we've done globally. And James, interestingly enough, uh, tweeted yesterday that uh, those tapes that he got uh, from Vijaya and also Jack Dorsey ha- were leaked to to um, to James and Project Veritas by a brave insider within Twitter. And I think about that. That, that that's just amazing because I think a lot of people on the inside of these tech companies have seen uh, the handwriting on the wall and they've known how dangerous. Remember, I had Zach Vortice on. A year and a half ago, maybe, Zach was a Google Google whistleblower who had to kind of go undercover uh, because he was seeing he's, he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a conservative, he wasn't anything like that. But he began to see things inside the company that scared him to death, and that's why he spoke out. And actually, for the first time, Zach had actually begun to think about God. We had a long conversation about that. Um, so this is uh, on the issue of Twitter, but I want to give you some... Some good news. Did you think there was none, but there is just a little bit? Let me tell you what it is. Uh, Parlor CEO uh, John Mayetz, who we played earlier in the week, who had to go into hiding because um, Parlor 
was taken on uh, deplatformed by the major media outlets amazon's cloud or uh, whatever they call the platform uh denied them their uh their app was uh removed from apple and play store and all of that and it's a billion dollar company and so suddenly there's no place to go and all the people that were flooding parlor which included many of you i'm sure were just lost so and they have been and since that time just to finish a thought john and his family have been threatened and that's why they've had to hide, threatened for their lives, threatened. Everyone knows where they live. They've been doxxed. Uh, but now he's just announced that Parler, he thinks, will return by the end of January. They found a new platform. It's uh, Epic Web Hosting, and it also hosts Gab, which I know nothing about except to say that a lot of people are going to Gab. Maybe we'll, we'll have to do a technology, another te- technology segment with someone who knows uh, what to recommend now. But Gab, I hear, is good. Uh, but Ep- it must be good. If Epic Web is hosting them, it must be good. So it looks like uh, Parler may be back up, and that will be a place where we can uh, talk and interact and get information, God willing. Josh Hawley, um, I'm happy to say, you know, he's been so roundly punished, and it continues. I told you donors are demanding refunds. Uh, te- uh, corporations who have pa- political PACs are, are, have decided not to fund him anymore. Simon & Schuster canceled his book. Uh, he's received threats himself. In fact, you know, remember the day after the uh, attack on the Capitol, uh, his wife was home with their brand-new baby, and he was in Missouri. This was in D.C., and they uh, came to his home and threatened her, banged on her door. I guess they didn't know she was home alone. It's just horrific things that have been happening to this young, um, this young new senator. Well, I think this is great. Simon & Schuster canceled the book contract, which they don't have a right to do, but there's no law that seems to be applying anywhere right now. So guess who stepped in? Regnery Publishing stepped in, and they're going to publish this book. I think it's phenomenal because Simon & Schuster just lost a ton of money, and uh, si- uh, Regnery just probably made a ton of money, which will enable them to go ahead and be a publisher for conservative thought. And Josh's book is called The Tyranny of Big Tech uh, because he's been all over fighting Twitter and Google and all of that since he first came into the Senate. And uh, that's one of the reasons he's so hated. So... Uh, There is some good news. People are fighting back uh, in ways that they can, and uh, we'll continue to talk about that. (laughs) All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.